these saints are so strong that they, yeah. they can get through everything. And then you realize like, here's a woman that's like, you know, just like can't even go, you know, she's experiencing intense post-traumatic stress. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Crab at the Cross podcast. I'm your host, Mary Rose, and my guest today is author Patrick O'Hearn. We spend the majority of the interview discussing a book he's written on the parents of the saints. I think we've all met those seemingly perfect Catholic families. They always have a ton of kids right in a row. The kids are always really talented and really smart and really pious and probably also really attractive. And it's easy to look at families like that and think, wow. God must love them more. He must be blessing them, favoring them so much more than my family with all of our, you know, problems and whatnot. And what Patrick's book really reveals is that often the opposite is the case, that the fertile grounds for holiness don't necessarily have these external versions of perfection. When you look at the lives of the saints and when you look at their parents, you see a lot of immense suffering. You see parents who've lost children, whether in miscarriage or in infancy or even later on in life. You see kids who've lost parents long before their time. You see disease, you see poverty, you see abandonment. You really see every kind of sorrow. And there's something almost consoling about that to say, okay, this prosperity gospel version of holiness that says, if you have all this worldly success, you must be more blessed by God and you must maybe even be holier than other people is really a false gospel. And so Patrick's book really subverts that kind of almost uh, superficial version of holiness. You know, the world's version of perfection is not God's version of perfection. The world's version of perfection is success and wealth and beauty and longevity. And God's version of perfection doesn't necessarily look like that at all. God's version of perfection is being poor in spirit and being merciful and being meek and being a peacemaker. Um, And so this interview was definitely refreshing to hear what, how the saints actually lived um, and how they're, how they were actually raised So I hope you enjoyed this interview. Definitely check out Patrick's book. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please make sure you're subscribed in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts. Subscribe to me on YouTube to check out the video versions. Please leave a comment on YouTube or on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter at Crab and the Cross. And... Yeah, leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, and now here's my conversation with Patrick O'Hearn. Patrick O'Hearn is an author and acquisitions editor at Tan Books. His subjects of interest include the lives of the saints in the interior life. His first book, Nursery of Heaven, Miscarriage, Stillbirth, and Infant Loss in the Lives of the Saints in Today's Parents, was released in 2019, and his second book, Parents of the Saints, The Hidden Heroes Behind Our Favorite Saints, was released in May 2021. His first children's book, The Shepherd at the Crib and the Cross, was released in October 2022. 
Patrick is also a husband and father and the founder of Contemplative Heart Press, which is meant to lead readers to a deeper union with God. It can be found at contemplativeheartpress.com. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thank you for having me, Mary Rose. So I'm really intrigued by your work because you focus more on the parents of the saints, and that's definitely not something that is talked about very often. So what was your initial draw or attraction to looking at the parents of the saints rather than the saints themselves? I, th I think when I was, when God called me to, you know, to the marriage vocation, mm -hmm. that kind of opened up that spectrum to look at them. Cause before that, you know, I spent a couple of years in religious life discerning. Okay. And then I always read the lives of the saints. And then after I discerned out of religious life, you know, there was this, had this disconnect between most of the saints. Like I, I just couldn't pick up the biography of St. Francis and read about him. It just, it didn't strike me as much. Now in my younger days, you know, I was in college, I, I was like, I was eating that stuff up. But then after discerning out, mm -hmm. I, I just felt like I want to read stories of people that are going to help me in my vocation. Not that I, st I still read the lives of the saints, but sure. I felt like, you know, reading how did these parents raise their children to become saints? That was kind of like, because that's, I feel like the number one priority of um, parents should be not to get their children into an Ivy League school, <laughs> right? But to, but but to, but to get them to heaven. So that that was kind of the inspiration behind it. Yeah. So when you were in religious life and discerning religious life, were there partic particular saints that you had a special devotion to? I did. <clears throat> you know, I I would say I loved you know Saint Therese. Mm -hmm. I, I love Saint Martin de Porres. St. Andre Bisset, and uh, so those, yeah, and then Solanus Casey, Blessed Solanus Casey, and so then I, actually in this book, I kind of, they led me to their parents, so that's what okay. was kind of ironic, I was devoted to them, and I yeah. felt like, here's, why don't you write about my parents? Huh, was it hard to find resources and information about their parents? It was, you know, in the last century, you know, that's, there's more available information. Like St. Therese's parents, there's a lot written on yeah. them because their daughters wrote on them. But earlier saints, you know, like you have to go through the biographies, you know, even like St. John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila, you know, just reading their biographies. But I would say, you know, there is, there's some saints like St. Dominic's parents. You just, you know, there was only a, f a few things on them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine too, like, probably some of the more primary source material might also be in other languages and not necessarily translated into English. Did you run into that issue at all? A little bit, you know, I, I mean, even now I was, I was praying, I'm like, should I do a sequel on this? Mm. Because there's just, I've, I've uncovered through a friend who's a translator. There was a story about uh, Pope St. Celestine's, um, uh, his, his Pope St. Celestine, um, sorry, his, his mother, um, was all, praying all night and for one of their uh, children that was going through, um, it was kind of having an illness. And, and so that was kind of uh, just that, per that persevering prayer. Mm. So. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Yeah. This past summer, I got to go to um, Lizia and, and see the house where Therese and her sisters were raised in. And it was, it was, well, it was interesting because I got to see that house. And then I also went to Lourdes and got to see the house where St. Bernadette and her family lived in, they couldn't be more different. You know, the, the Subarus were just like very poor. They lived in a mill and then they lived in a, a jail cell at, at one point. And then the Martins had this beautiful kind of stately home with, um, you know, brick exterior and flower gardens and everything. And it just, it was really interesting to see 
that you could have two uh, amazing French saints, one that came from extreme poverty and one that came from not extreme wealth, but I mean, you know, relatively well off, certainly, especially for that day. Yeah, that is. I mean, you and I feature both of them in, in the, you know, in my book, Bernadette's parents and then St. Therese's parents. And, you know, it kind of shows you that, you know, even that simplicity of heart, you know, because even if, you know, in, in different, we have different spectrums. Some people grow up in, in a wealthy home and, and others being poor. But I think that it's that cultivation of virtue is really what, what they had in common. Uh, mm-hmm. But definitely, I, I do think it's easier, you know, the children that grow up with less, they can kind of have an easier transition to go to religious life because they've mm-hmm. already been detached beforehand as, as when you're wealthier, it just it becomes more challenging. Right. Yeah. I've heard that with like certain religious orders, like the missionaries of charity, it's much, they have much more vocations from the countries that they serve. They have much less vocations from, you know, the West because it's just, I mean, they, their, their lifestyle, even compared to a lot of religious orders here are, are even much more austere, austere. And it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I mean, when I was reading about their life, like, you know, they brush their teeth with ashes and, and things like that. It's like, I don't need, you know, that, that that's beyond just only having like a few simple possessions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I've also noticed too, with a lot of the, like the saints is that several of them experienced the loss of a parent at, at a young age. Um, did you find that tended to have a, a strong effect on kind of the the early life of of the children who like lost a parent I do I think there's you know one person I highlighted was St. Catherine Labrae just very briefly but I mentioned how when she lost her mother at a young age I think her father said you know you know our lady will now be your mother Mm -hmm. and you know the same with we see with St. Therese John Paul II I'm trying to think you know there's St. Jean Jugon who founded the Little Sisters of the Poor she lost her father at a young age so I, I definitely think that you know, that, that suffering, like I, I look at certain saints even today, and it was those tough times that brought them together. You know, I can't imagine, I mean, the person that John Paul II became was partly because he grew up in such, you know, d- a difficult era and then right. you know, losing his mother. And, and uh, so I think suffering, uh, you know, leads to sainthood, you know, or it can lead the opposite effect mm. too. When I, I highlight a story about Margaret Sanger in there and mm. you know, she was, came from a huge family and she grew up around the same time as St. Therese and she was baptized Catholic. And you think about it, like it's same situation, but her father turned the opposite, turned against God. But imagine if he hadn't done that, I mean, yeah. we could have had Margaret Sanger could have been a canonized saint, you know, if, if they. Right. If they just... Yeah. Cause I mean, she was, she was certainly a, a, a motivated and uh, you know, in in a way, inspirational figure. I mean, she certainly, uh, was, was like very active and, and, um, yeah, imagine what she could have done for good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, well, I think the same thing too with, uh, I think Joseph Stalin was, was like Catholic or, or, or maybe Orthodox, but he was in a seminary at some point. It's like, yes. man, he really could have been the greatest saint, but instead he went the complete opposite direction. Yeah, no, it shows you the importance of, of parents, you know, just yeah. not that every, even good parents can have children that go astray, but sure. the majority of these, you know, a lot of these people we see in our culture, the, the way they've gone off the deep end, it started with something at home, something with their parents example. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because I think like in our culture today, there's a push to, you know, make mother and father seem kind of interchangeable and, and it's, you know, it doesn't really matter whether or not you have a mom and a dad, you know, single parent, whatever, 
same-sex couple um but even with like a lot of the saints it's like even though many of them lost a parent at a young age like that's somehow still different from being completely deprived you know from the beginning of having like a mom or a dad you know and and then obviously with the our understanding of the intercession of the saints it's like well you haven't completely lost this figure like in a way they're able to assist you possibly even more yeah definitely so i mean i think just even them having that absence that they knew that you know like our lady and then they had obviously pointing to god the father those that lost you know their own dad so it yeah. was that that supernatural faith so i always say you know that it made them long for heaven and you know that that's where i think you know, mm. the catholic point of view is like detachment you know when we when we experience suffering and in, in our hearts uh, we were made for heaven and i think that's right. where these parents these parents they they um, kind of kept instilling that into their children like this is not your home we are pilgrims on, mm. on earth yeah did you find any parallels with like your own parents your own upbringing uh things that your parents did uh compared to some of these parents of saints yeah yeah, no, I, except that I'm not a saint. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, but obviously, no, that, no, you know, no, you dedicated your life, you know, uh, no. to, to the faith. Yeah, no, no, I, th I think there's some things I would say, well, I mean, I'm more so, I mean, I, I love my parents. I dedicated the book to them and, you know, they're very, you know, good Catholics. And so I, I do think that there's a lot of good things that obviously that, you know, that I think the, the times when we would, you know, obviously say the rosary together. So those were some important yeah. components. And, yeah. and, uh, but I think, more so even than that, like, I feel like these parents have kind of shaped my, my parenting a lot. Really? So just, just to, you know, so. Yeah. How many kids do you have? So we have, we have two on earth okay. and two in heaven. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah. how old are, are your, your children still living? So my, my one son, he just turned uh, seven and then okay. my daughter is two months old. So we have a huge you know, gap in between <laughs> there. So. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Well, I'm sure the older one is probably so excited to, to have oh, a yeah. sibling. <laughs> this, you know, I read somewhere what John Paul said. He's like, the greatest gift you can give your children is to give them a sibling. So we, we've been praying, you know, and that's why, again, that Nursery of Heaven book that I wrote, that was came out of you know a great suffering to write that book to help other couples to know that hey you're not alone you know people think when they get married that god's going to bless them with 10 yeah. or 15 kids right. but a lot of the saints like john paul ii you know his mother came from a big family but she was only blessed with three children and one of them okay. died it was within 16 hours of the childbirth wow yeah well even um with with saint therese i didn't know this until i went to you know they had a museum of her life and and her mother lost uh several children either early on or 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 as mis miscarriages and i think the same thing too with bernadette and you just for for a lot of history like it was just there wasn't as good like maternal health care and it was just more likely to lose a child you know in in childbirth or or at a young age and you know now that we live in a time where um, you know, it seems like that ought not to happen anymore because we have such advanced medical care that it can be just such a shock for people that they, they don't really speak about like that, that grief of, of miscarriage or, or, or even stillbirth. Yeah, no, it's, it tends to be, um, I think many people just keep it private and then it yeah. just eats you away. And mm. I, I think, um, even like seeing St. Zelie Martin, you know, they, they lost, uh, four children yeah. and she was even at a point where she was at visiting the cemetery her father had just passed away and then she lost you know some two of two of the boys were they're pretty young I mean I think they were mm -hmm. under the age of like a year and a half maybe under a year and then they had a yeah. five-year-old girl and then one that was 
died because their wet nurse turned out to because she couldn't breastfeed was an alcoholic and so she the, the child was wow. neglected oh so, my god you know so so that uh and she refused to walk down the same street where that that lady was nursing her baby and so there, you know there's just post-traumatic stress so we mm. often think like man these saints are so strong that they, yeah. they can get through everything and then you realize like here's a woman that's like you know just like can't even go you know she's experiencing intense post-traumatic stress right yeah and I, I think there's also like a an unfortunate tendency to feel like you know if you have I don't know maybe an, a little bit of an easier life like you have tons of kids no no trouble getting pregnant you know no health issues with the kids like it's easy to sort of feel like those people are more blessed by God, favored by God, you know, he loves them more because he takes care of them. And, yeah. you know, but when we look at, at, the, at so many of the saints, like they weren't the ones with the, the, the perfect lives. Um, they did experience tremendous suffering. And I think it's important that we, we hold those figures up because like, you know, they can help save us from that despair of feeling like, well, well, God hasn't given me X. So therefore, you know, he's rejected me. So true. And that's the, they say, right, compare and you will despair. And, mm. and I think too, like you can get inflated too when everything's like, look at me, I have, you know, everything's going well. I have, you know, you have to be really humble, even when you have, when you have these big families, because mm. it, it can be, a, you can look down, you can see a family at church that has, maybe they don't have any children. You know, when I first yeah. started off being married, and I would see families with one or two kids and it was just, it was a temptation. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like judging them, but I thought sure. to myself, oh, maybe, maybe they love NFP a lot, <laughs> you know, you know, maybe, you know, cause you, you just don't know like, Hey, they, yeah. maybe there's space, you know, a lot of people volunteer to me. Oh, you know, it's so, you know, like we're done after having two kids, sure. yeah. but, but then after going through my own experiences, I realized sometimes people that have zero kids in the pew or maybe one or two, like they could be more open to life than the family that has six or seven. Like they didn't, they've never used NFP, you know, right. And, um so yeah no I, I think I think it's that's like sort of the unfortunate side effect of you know the very strong stance against contraception is that families who do struggle with infertility can feel like or and often very well be judged um you know I've I've even I've even heard of this is awful but I've even heard of like pastors you know calling out families you know in church and saying like you need to stop using contraception they're like father we're trying everything we yeah. can to have a baby, you know, and it's, it just kind of, I don't know, it just adds to the pain. It's like salt in the wounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So are there certain saints you mentioned, uh, you know, the parents of St. Bernadette, the parents of St. Therese, are there, are there other like saintly couples that you um, particularly look up to or that you, you found that you admired a lot, like in your, in your research? Yeah, there was one couple that I really liked was, uh, well, Blessed Chiara Bandano. So she was a oh. young girl, you know, born in, I want to say she was born in 1974, something around there, you know, from Italy. And her parents had prayed for 11 years to conceive, and finally they did. And then she, you know, grew up in normal childhood, and, uh, and then she ended up getting bone cancer and then died, mm. I want to say around the age of 18. And, uh, I, that really struck me just even, even the father's suffering. Cause he, you know, just as we were talking about the theme of child loss, like he would look around and he goes, it was a great cross for me. Cause I would see all my friends having kids and we couldn't have any, but just that perseverance, like they would go to yeah. shrines and kept praying and then they had the child. And then when the child 
when their daughter was, uh, when she passed away, the minute she passed away, they both got on their knees and they, they prayed mm-hmm. like, I think it was the apostles creed. And, uh, you know, and they were even their daughter at, at her final moments was getting assaulted by the devil. And, uh, and they just, they, the mother was standing by her and just kept praying with her. And I think it, we often think that our, it'll be our children that'll be at our bedside when we die. We hope God willing that they'll be praying the rosary for us, but sometimes God will call us to bury our own children and we'll be mm. next to them. And so what does that look like? You know, and, and, and I think that example of their, their perseverance and their prayer really yeah. uh, spoke, spoke to me. Yeah. So was she their only, their only child? Their only child. Wow. Yeah. Now that this, um, not this past summer, but the summer before I, I, I lost a friend, um, also the, the only daughter of her parents, you know, same thing. Like they had, they would been married since their early twenties and just miscarriage infertility over and over again. I think her mom was like in like 40 when, when she finally had her and, and um, you know, then tragically she, she died in a car accident with her, her fiance. And I think like, it, it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around something like that because I, I know people who have just you know, kids in the double digits, you know, and, and all of them are fine. And then you, you think like, God, like, why? Like, you know, it, I mean, it sounds cruel to say like, well, you know, if you have 14 kids, you know, yeah, what's one less? Obviously, that that's not how it works for the mind of a parent. But, you know, to, to lose the only child, there's something that is just, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's the unfathomable. I mean, it's, it's what Our Lady went through ultimately, you know, but it's that unfathomable mystery of the cross. Just going to say the same thing about our lady, yeah. you know, that, mm. that, that was, you know, I'm sorry to hear about your friend. Well, that yeah. it's, there's just, there's no, you know, it's, there's just no words for that. And even for the parents to go through right. that. You know. Right. Yeah. Did you look into any saints and then find out that their parents were just like really wretched people? <laughs> I did. I highlight one of them. That was, she was just canonized St. Margaret of Costello. She, um, her parents, Basically, you know, because she was born, she had all these, I think, like spinal bifida. She had all these mm. different issues. And eventually they went to pray. They had her like locked up in a tower and where she would just go to mass. They, no one would even see her. No one would see her. And then they're they praying for a cure through the saint at the time. And they dropped her off there. And they basically left her after there was no cure. And so they abandoned her. And then, uh, then she entered different orders and even the religious orders took her in, but she was so holy that they, she was like pricking their conscience. So they, they kicked her out. But oh this, so she God. became like a third order Dominican and she, and then she and took her, she's like the patron of pro-life and she was just canonized. I think in the last couple of years, it took yeah. like 500 years. She's always been a blessed, but I think the fact is like her, here, her parents, they were like, they were kind of famous. They're noblemen and like they, and they wanted a son mm. and they got this daughter <laughs> And here, so it's, it was just kind of, uh, just ironic that here she's making their name famous, even though like they, you know, they wanted a child that would make them famous, you know? And, yeah. and so she is, but not the way that they wanted it. Uh, so. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Gosh, that's like almost like a modern, like a, like a, a real life hunchback of Notre Dame kind of situation. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think probably a, a lot of people, you know, they, they assume that there must be some kind of like very complicated um, or very difficult parenting strategy to create children that grow up to become saints. But like in your, in, in your study, I mean, we mentioned like, you know, the reality of suffering, but was there anything else that stood out that you're like, oh, this is exceptional? Or was it really just that common 
day-to-day fidelity to prayer, fidelity to mass? I mean, was, was there anything that really seemed out of the ordinary that, that these parents were doing? Well, you know, in my book, each chapter is arranged by hallmarks. So, mm. and, and, and I found these hallmarks by studying the saints because I would look at them and I would say, wow, they have this. And I'm like, I wonder if their parents has it, have it. And so like, you know, the first hallmark was a sacramental life. So I think that was the foundation. I and mean, if you look at a lot of the saints, you know, like even St. Therese from a young age, her father was taking her to visits to the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah. And then, and then you had a St. Gemma's mother, you know, every week she would take her children to confession. So I would say, you know, de- definitely that was, that was the, the most important thing was a sacramental life. And then, you know, have the sacrificial love. And I think, you know, that, that was in, exemplified in mother Teresa's own mother. Like she would be inviting the poor into her house. She would bathe this one lady that had sores all over her. So like mother Teresa didn't like just automatically like, Hey, I'm going to, leave everything and go to the, no, like her mother was doing that. Mm. So, so I think that would be huge. I mean, like if, if a parent, you know, the more that parents are sacrificing, especially not only in the home, but you know, even just the way they treat their neighbors, they're just constantly yeah. pouring themselves out, you know, cause you're not going to raise a saint. If you're, if you're filled with pride and selfishness, mm. you're, you're not going to raise a saint, but if you're yeah. humble and you're sacrificial, and then I also have surrender. And that's the key too, is like, when difficulties come and trials, it's like, how, how is a parent, do they, do they have a state of peace, you know, when, when the world is going around them, or are they just living in anxiety? And, and then um, suffering was a huge one. So like yeah. suffering with joy. And then I had, um, so that you're asking me for one thing. So sorry, I'm giving you a couple. No, no, no. Each chapter. <laughs> and then I had, I think another main one was solitude. Like these parents were mm. Like um, Saint um, Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows, he's, he's one of my favorite saints, but his father would go make, he'd pray an hour every day in, in private prayer. So I think that they were definitely in touch with God. And then, yeah. and then we yeah. had um, simplicity, you know, just being detached from this world. And then the last one was like sacredness of life. So I, I wouldn't just say it's one thing. I think it's many things, yeah. um, but definitely the Eucharist, the rosary, and then everything flowed from, I would say, charity, you know, just, uh, but and then uh, obviously, but prayer was definitely sure. these people knew they knew how to pray. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, I mean, you can't you can't fake holiness, you know, but you certainly can do things to give the appearance of being very pious. You know, you can, you know, like like we said, you know, if you have lots of kids, you know, it, you can you can dress in a way that that you know symbolizes like a you know modesty or or simplicity you know, you can show up at all of like the, the church events and whatnot, but like, it really does come down to like a deep interior communion with God. Like that's, what's going to pass on to the kids. Cause unfortunately, I mean, I've seen this where you have kids who grow up in a very rigidly religious home, you know, so they, they do the mass, they do the sacraments, they have the rules, blah, blah, blah. But when the kids get older, they completely rebel against it. And to me that that signifies yeah I mean obviously we all have free will but I think sometimes like people like you know kids are smart like they can recognize maybe if if their parents are kind of doing the externals but they don't necessarily have the internal you know the interior yeah I think that's there's there's a lightheartedness and I see that with you know St. Therese the way she was raised up her parents are my I'd say my spiritual heroes Louis Mm. and Zelly but they would put Louis would often put Zelly you know on his lap and very affectionate and then and then he would even do like music like bugle sounds like he and then <laughs> he just did a lot of fun things with their children yeah I think, 
that that's you know if your parents don't know that you know just that quality time and knowing that you love them and giving if you're all you're doing is just discipline 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 it's all yeah. justice yeah there's no love you know because you have to think about it we're you know parents are meant to you know to resemble the fa- father supposed to uh, kind of imitate god the father to be that that face of him and i, I think that's i think that would i would say the key is in especially these homes is because one there's no joy in the home either mm-hmm. you know it's just it's just a bunch of you know, we, we become Pharisees in a sense. All we do is follow. I mean, we need to follow, you know, obey all the, you know, the church commandments, right. all the commandments, everything the church teaches, but if there's no joy and no affection with your children. You know, then, then, you know, you've, you've basically, you haven't raised your children will likely leave. I would think there's a good chance they'll leave the faith. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, there has to be like a, like you said, a joy. And I think also just a tenderness, um, you know, a sense that like, in the, in the home, as much as their parents hold them to a very high standard, like there is like, if, if they make a mistake or if they do something wrong, like they know that their parents aren't going to just like, you know, turn their back on them. Like you said, it, it can't be all discipline. There has to be that like yeah. merciful side or else, you know, that I think that rigidity just has the, the opposing effect. So true. Yeah. Did you notice any significant differences between parents? of like some of the more contemporary saints versus parents of, of saints from, you know, many centuries ago? I think, you know, I, I would say I'm trying to look back at some of the older ones. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things I noticed with the older ones, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of, it seemed like Teresa of Avila, like there was a lot of romance novels and even with mm. like Ignatius, Ignatius of Loyola, the way his parents raised him, you know, it just, it seemed like, you know, they had these books of this, I would say they had a lot of books of the lives of the saints, but they also had like other stuff that they weren't really, I, I would say, monitoring their children as much, you know, mm. perhaps. I mean, and back in the day there, and then I would say, um, I think, but then I think current in the current times, I noticed one thing is like this also desire to move their children, almost like, you know, we see this movement of homesteading, but as, mm-hmm. as, the, as the culture got worse, I noticed that a lot of these saints, like, Maximilian Colby's parents, they moved him away from the city to maybe a smaller town. And then St. Therese's father, after his mother died, he asked the children, like, do you want to stay in, they were in Alisson, do you want to move to Lesue? Mm. And the reason he wanted to move them is because it was more, uh, it, was, it was more liberal environment. So that's why he moved them away mm. from that. He, and he gave, he asked the daughters, he, wa- he wanted to move them, but he just wanted to make sure they were okay with it. So I think, yeah. I think that element of just kind of slowly uh, moving, uh, protecting your children, it became even more important, especially their yeah. friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, that's. It, it, I think that's that's something that we often, you know, that can be a missing factor. It's very easy to have everything kind of in order in your house, but of course, your kids are going to go out. They're going to go to school. They're going to go see their friends. They're going to go to their friends' houses and everything. And it's like you could have the perfect environment within your four walls of your home, but um, you have to kind of be on guard against the influences elsewhere. So like when you and your wife had kids, uh, or maybe before you had kids, did you have certain conversations about like how you wanted to kind of structure, you know, that, that the life with your children or did it kind of flow like as, as you got to know your own kids? Yeah, I think a lot of things, you know, they changed, you know, obviously when you know, before, you know, we were, you know, when we were engaged and then in our early first seven months before my wife, you know, conceived a child, 
you know, we were, you know, we, we had this idea of how our parenting would be, but I think, it, you know, it evolves. And I, I think actually re- reading these saints really helped me, you know, even with like, I'll give you an example, like St. Jose Maria Escriva, mm-hmm. like his own father would, they'd go on walks together and they would just have that one-on-one time. So I think just a lot of nuggets that I picked up from my research, but it definitely, you know, and I, and I do ask, like, I always like to pick the brain of, uh, you know, holy parents that I know in, in my yeah. life, like, what did you do? You know, like that, especially have vocations and you know, what did you, you know, it's always, mm. it's like, I think the minute you think you have it figured out, <laughs> then, then you're kind of close minded, but you, you should like ask parents, like, uh, you know, even your parish priest, if he comes from a very holy family, like if you ever meet his mother, it'd be like, you know, is there mm. anything that you kind of did? And, and, and a lot of times I did ask our parish priest that his yeah. and his mother said, you know, my husband and I just had a, a really blessed marriage. Like we love each other. And I think that, mm. I think too, it's like sometimes you can focus so much on the kids. And I, mm. and I think um, there is, a, I think a, you can tell like Lewis and Zelie Martin, they're writing love letters to each yeah. other. And there's a great love, you know, there's a great love that I, I think that that's the best. If anything, it's maybe not mentioned in my book, but I would say that these saints came from homes where their mom and dad loved each other. So. Wow. It's it's beautiful that you highlight that because I think there can be a tendency in, in some ways, like especially in Christian circles to like, because marriage is, is clearly like kind of like the default vocation. It's like, all right, like, you know, you don't just get to live like the bachelor life, like, you know, lots of partners, like, you know, you get married, you have kids, like that's what you're supposed to do that sometimes the you know, the importance of having like a genuine affection that that can kind of be like left out, you know, sort of like look for somebody who's virtuous, look for somebody who's holy, look for somebody who's Catholic and just like marry them. And like, obviously those things are important, but you have to have that, like, I don't know, almost like subjective, just like affection. Yeah. And even, you know, I had mentioned, you know, a little bit like St. Gianna's parents and, and then even Gianna and her husband too, you know, I, I I think I highlight that in there as well, but, you know, but it all flows from like, you're, you're building, I mean, that future vocation for your children. And just by the way, like the way I love my wife is like, I'm going to set my son, does my, it's going to set up my son's future vocation. Just, just every day, you know, maybe not, not even something that I say, he just sees me. I give my, his, you know, my wife a kiss. He's like, wow, dad really loves my mom. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think like love just, like spills over, you know, it's, it's not like, a um, it's not a limited resource, you know, like when, like the love that you show for your wife doesn't take away the love that you have for your son. And, 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 uh, you know, paradoxically, the love you show for your wife, like kind of spills out like into the home and like flows to your son in some mysterious way. Yeah. Because I, I think, and I think it's more probably the tendency for women, for mothers to to, to love their children almost more than their their husband. I think it's easier mm. for the husband to love his wife more mm. than I think the women because just because they're around the children so much right. that it's like that's you know and then and then when the kids move away, you know then then the relationship it's like it was all about the kids and mm. I think that's when you have to say like no like you know the husband and wife that relationship has to be you know the most important thing. Right. It yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not married, so like I don't have like you know the exact personal experience, but I I don't I always wonder like because people will use the language of like more, you know, you should love your wife more than your kids, you should love your life, you know. I I don't know. I I like to, there's something about that that kind of like grates me, but at the same time, 
it doesn't sound right to say you, you know, you prioritize your spouse over the kids or you prioritize your kids over the spouse. Like somehow it has to kind of all be like co-mingling together, but I, I definitely, you know, like I said, like love is not a limited resource. So whatever you're doing, it can't be sucking away from one to give to the other. Yeah. I mean, they should, they should build each other up. Yeah. So before we wrap up here, I want to ask you though, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are trying to themselves live holy lives, but when they look back at their parents, they, uh, you know, they might have had really difficult relationships with their parents. You know, maybe there's divorce, maybe there's addiction, maybe there's abuse even. And, you know, what kind of advice or, or what kind of insights do you have for those people who don't have that, like, sort of nest of, of, of love and holiness that they were raised in and, and, and might feel like, you know, they're deprived? You know, I, I say, well, one is you know, just, yeah, that forgiveness, you know, to say like, just like Jesus on the cross, like, you know, Father, you know, God, forgive, forgive my parents, you know, and mm. for, you know, just, not, you know, not letting that, not living a life of bitterness. Mm. And I also say this too, is like, you, all of us should be the parents that we always wanted to have. So it's like, just because you had that and it is, yeah. I mean all of us wish like you know I look at myself and I'm like I'm sometimes I do the things that like I, I was like I'll never do that when I'm a dad like, yeah like, you know and I'm doing the same thing and right. I think it's just like let me not like I don't know like I can only control what I can I can't live in the past and what my parents did or not did and it's, it's painful these wounds get so forgiveness and then I'd also say yeah just say like Lord help me to be the parents that I always wanted to have and I think that changes your outlook like and, and uh, you know the same with uh, St. Zelie Martin like her own mother never showed her any affection. She wouldn't even give her a doll. And the fact, mm, so wow. I think she even overcompensated over that. Like it almost changed her to even be yeah. more affectionate to St. Therese. Cause I can't, I, if, if she modeled her uh, motherhood after her own mother, Saint, there would be no St. Therese. Like the way that yeah. St. Therese yeah. loved was because, you know, and granted her mother died when St. Therese was, St. Therese was four years old when she lost right. her mother. Yeah. But I still feel like her and Lewis like that they just loved and I and I think that that's the key is like not not uh letting those wounds get to you sure absolutely yeah that's beautiful do you have any future books in the works right now I do yep yeah, so I have a, a book coming out in May called the courtship of the saints it's called how the oh. saints how the saints met their spouses oh that sounds really interesting <laughs> so I highlight like 25 different di wow. different saints and future saints so and that one's coming out with Tam book. So I'd love okay. to talk to you, but I, I'm pretty, I'm big on like marriage stories. And uh, yeah. originally it was going to have a lot of couples today story in there, but okay. um, I, I think we just, we got rid of those and focused on the saints. And, okay. Uh, so that, No, that sounds great. Cause I think, I mean, I think that's another area where there's, there's a huge struggle, even, even for, you know, devout practicing Catholics in, in our age today, it's like, you know, we, we look at people from the past and it seemed like it was so easy and, you know, we say, oh, it's so hard now. And, but I mean, that's just not an area that, that is really explored. Um, but actually I remember reading the, I think it was the, the book that, um, Joseph Ratzinger's brother wrote about, about their life. And I think that, his mom and his dad met through like a personals ad in the newspaper, which I just, I just I love. See, I actually featured, I have that, there's still oh, in do? my book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah think, you know, because yeah. I mean, it, like we, we want to like think like, oh, it's, you know, must be some kind of like super like romantic providential thing. And it's like, no, nah, like 
someone put an, a personal dad out there and and then they 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 gave birth to the future pope <laughs> it's i mean god can god inspires us to do you know some crazy things and so you, you can't like you know if you're just set in like oh i'm only gonna meet my spouse if i go to this parish and mm. you know like i go to this group no i mean sometimes it's like you have to really be open to the holy spirit and and i yeah. think it, ultimately it's you know i, I always say to it that uh you know our most important thing is, is falling in love with god and seeing what happens after that you know like they're and i was going back and forth on the issue of a, of a soulmate like i, I don't mm. i think oh, it's yeah and I, so like tolkien has like he always said like the soulmate is the one you're married to mm. you know it's like anyways i i think there's i just wanted to tell the stories and, and basically just to help people prepare for marriage and so anyway that that one's coming out god willing at the end of may Okay. Oh, wow. Definitely would love to talk to you about that when it comes yeah. out. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that, that sounds like a, a really good, but also I think needed book for, for yeah. today's Catholics. So, yeah. well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, Patrick. Um, I hope a lot of people check out your books. Um, are you on social media or anything like that? Or do you have, you know, I'm not, I'm not. I, I okay. Like good for you. I, I have a LinkedIn profile. Okay. I, post, I post stuff from Tan. So if anyone okay. can, I just post our books on there and some of my books and in the, you know, the parents of the saints one is available at like tanbooks.com. And then some, I think the nursery of heavens on Amazon. But. Okay. Beautiful. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry. I, I was fumbling over my words because my, my, my boss, it's like, there's a, he starts calling me and it came, and I don't know how to put like, do not, I don't know how to maybe in the future. So I saw yeah. his message and then he starts texting me. Oh, and so no. I'm just like, Oh, and there, I don't know if you hear that. Yeah. That's okay. Come here, bud. We don't need to be bad. Okay. <laughs>